Hello and welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher. Today I'm welcoming Ellen Sentier. She is an author. I, w- I would count her as a mystic, and she has some really interesting things to talk about. And I'd like everybody to welcome her. Hello, Ellen. It's good to hear from you. Hello, Barbara. It's very good to hear from you from the other side of the pond, as they say. Yeah. Yes, it's a big pond. <laughs> it's a very big pond. Very, very big pond. Yes, I'm in I'm in landlocked Ohio, so I don't even get to you know be near the pond at all. Oh, you <laughs> so, are a long you know. way out, then. Yeah. 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 And I'm in Britain. Yes. I'm in Britain in on the Welsh border. Oh, excellent! Excellent. Mm-hmm. My great-grandmother was Welsh, and my great-grandfather was from the Midlands. And so um, I, I love all of the stories about Welsh people, and my grandmother cooked a lot of British food uh, because she learned it from her mother-in-law. And so I grew up eating things like Yorkshire pudding and Welsh cakes and... <laughs> You know, all kinds of things, toad in the hole, bubble and squeak, and and nobody in my in West Virginia had ever heard of any of these things. So it, it was pretty funny if I described to the kids at school Yorkshire pudding and they're like, How can it be pudding? It's solid. <laughs> so and then they were like, Well, well, what do you eat it with? And I said, Gravy. <laughs> they were like Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, ew. Why would you do that? Like, well, you can actually, diff- if, you, if, you, if you don't put too much salt in, you can eat it very well with jam. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the Dutch pancakes, it's the same basic yeah. recipe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I learned that much later in life and was like, see, it is, it's a pudding. Yeah. <laughs> Americans have very stiff ideas as to what puddings are. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yes, I do remember that from a very long time ago when I was there. Custards. Custards are puddings in American eyes, and that's it. Nothing else. Yeah. No yeah. other things. Um, so we've already gotten off topic on the, on the food. But do tell us, please, Um you you have a really interesting background and you, and you have a lovely lovely story so if you could just hop in wherever you want i'd be perfectly happy to just let the conversation go do i start at the end or the middle or the beginning let me think about that as a storyteller well one thing i'm actually not barbara is a shamanic practitioner because I've never done any of the practitioner training, and nor will I, because I was born into it. And there are a lot of us in Britain who have been born into it over 2,000, 4,000 years. And it's kept on going. We keep hidden very well. I mean, I'm sure you can imagine that one doesn't really want to get hanged or strangled or burnt alive or have one's pussycat burnt alive with one. So you tend to keep your head down. 
And this is why many people think that we've died out. But we haven't. In 1952 in Britain, we actually repealed the Witchcraft Act. It took that long. But even so, it didn't exactly help because you didn't mention any of your witchy background when you're going for a job or to people you didn't know or anything like that because you would probably be shunned or pushed out, laughed at and you could get into trouble and you might even lose your job. So there are lots of things where we talk about equality and it doesn't altogether exist. It depends who you are still. But yeah. that aside, I was brought up by a family who practiced the old ways, as we call it, of Britain for hundreds of generations, long, long time. The story of the village where I grew up and the lady who was known as the saint because the Christians had taken her over, her story goes back 4,000 years. And I know that because when I was writing my first novel, which is about her, or it's about her story, but it's brought up to date, I went to the British Library and did a load of research um, with maps and old documents and going right back. And there it was. Takes a bit of digging, but it was worth it. Because it made sense of all the things that I'd grown up with. But my, my dad was been, has been in, the, in that tradition forever, and his people. And we've got some interesting associations from the early 20th and late 19th century. But it was his family that were always there doing it, being it. He was what we would call a Kivarowith, which is what you would known as Welsh, for a tale weaver. A storyteller. Um, my mum was, her mum was a witch from the Isle of Man. And she married a half Romany man who was a docker in Hull. So there was all sorts of mix up going on in there, as we would call it nowadays. But of course, we didn't then. You were a slightly different person to me. You're, you come from Roma. I come from the Isle of Man, the Manx people, but we do the same sort of things. Oh, you call it that. Oh, I call it that. Mm -hmm. So the problem that people see nowadays didn't exist. My stepmother was half Roma too, and um, her name told, tells you that because it's an old Roma name. And so... I was brought up in this, there are old ways. I loved it. Before we were, before you started off and before we put, put the recording on, you said about memories of dreaming of women with antlers on their heads. Mm -hmm. And I love that because I was born actually on Dartmoor and I lived there on and off till I was about four. And one of the Dartmoor stories is the women who, is who have antlers growing from their foreheads. And they appear, and then they'll appear just as, you know, Jane Doe in the village. 
without uh -huh. the antlers. And then they will appear with the antlers. And this was normal. This is what happened. So I'm wondering if you, in your dreams, went back there. What do you think, I don't Barbara? Know. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting that um, you said Dartmoor. It's one of the few places that I knew of the British name at a very young age because there's a story that was in a storybook that belonged to my father and his sister. Uh, it came out in 1952, and it was called The, Golden, the Big Golden Book of Elves and Fairies. And it was illustrated full <laughs> yes, color. I remember it. Yeah, <laughs> full color by Garth Williams. And if mm -hmm. you look at my art and you look at his, you can tell where some of my wow. figurative look, the very large eyes and the the mm -hmm. different colors and things that it, it's from looking at that book from before I could speak. Um, mm -hmm. But there is a story in there that is set on Dartmoor with a little, mm -hmm. it starts with a little boy and his grandmother picking whortleberries. Now, of course, I had no idea what whortleberries were, but we had blackberries on my, you know, other grandmother's uh, farm. So I, you know, I translated it in my head to, to blackberries. And he finds a little silk scarf, a little, little piece of iridescent fabric, and he picks it up. And he carries it home and then the pixies from Dartmoor come to him that night and beg for it back because it belongs to their queen. And so they have this, this they, they make bargains with each other to, to get it back. And it, it's a really interesting story. But in my, in my head, when I dreamed of the ladies with the antlers and... Mm -hmm running around with with a herd of deer and they didn't look like our white tail deer here in America um where I grew up yeah. uh they they looked different and uh in my head it looked like the pictures that Garth Williams did to to show what Dartmoor looked like and mm -hmm. it had you know in his illustration and I'll probably have to add this to the show notes there's a a pot of old Roman coins in the dark mm -hmm. in in the moor, and then there's a hare, and there's an old broken sword, and and the little boy finds all of these treasures there, and they're all oh, these awesome. sort of buried and hidden. So in mm -hmm. my dream, there were there was a hare that was running. And mm -hmm. the the night was moonlit because that's how it was described in the in the story. So mm -hmm. yeah, maybe I did. Uh, but there is a deer woman here in the United States among the oh, Native yes. Americans, and she is kind of a trickster, and she only gives herself away usually by having hooves. She'll look like her, you know, just a woman just a, a Native American woman in whatever clothing is proper at that time. Mm -hmm. But she, she has little hooves that mm -hmm. clomp. And you go, tic-tac-toe, 
Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't learn about her until a good bit later, but I, yeah, in my, in my head as a child, yeah. women. I think the caribou people do as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And I know the Mongolian people do because mm -hmm. uh, one of my best friends went there. I nearly went there, but I was too sick. I couldn't go. Oh, that's um, sad. And I know that it goes, it's in France, in the Basque country, in Germany. Um, there's it, it is in China as well. So reindeer, particularly, their habitat was what we used to call the boreal forest. Well, we still do in places. Mm -hmm. And there's not much of it left. You have some in Canada and Alaska. Mm -hmm. And the Russians have some in the Taiga. And mm -hmm. we managed to cut all ours down in Britain, which was a silly thing to do, but there you go. Uh, but it used to come down all the way from the ice line, the tundra, down to for us, the bottom of Cornwall. So the whole of Britain was in the boreal forest. And we had reindeer here naturally, natively, until a few hundred years ago. We brought them back now in Scotland. But there again, in Scotland, they have the most wonderful deer woman as well. And they are huge. They are giantesses and they are ah. earth goddesses in the normal sense of the word and they care for the land and the animals on the land and they're very fierce and they don't stand you know they don't stand fools and they don't stand liars at all and there are lots of stories of them that they live in mountains very often and they will come down when somebody is harming the land and harming the animals and um, personally i wish they'd come down a bit more now because they're really needed but maybe that's for us to, to mend nowadays but there are these deer stories all the time and i was brought up with them as i said so some of the first stories I remember hearing right in my cradle were about deer and about our old figures who are often antlered or at times they're antlered and it was normal. We used to practice, you know, you'd have the, it's not like modern witchcraft and it's not like books of shadows or anything like that. It's much more that here we are, we're at, we're just past Imolk, so here we are, we're at Imolk. And what does the lady want of us at this Imolk? Because it may not be the same as it was last Imolk. So what does she need? So a group, often of the women, but we did include men, or we do include men very often as well. But maybe the women would start it and go to one of the special places around the village, in the village, and just sit. And everybody would be holding this question. What do you want of us? What do you want us to do? 
and then people would start to talk talk ordinarily so well, i think it should be one in the earth this time yeah i'm getting the soil too what are we going to do with that how should we do with that well i got and it would go around like a conversation like that mm-hmm. so our rituals are always about the feel of the season in the northern hemisphere Imolka spring it's different down the south of course so what is it about spring so it will be about spring like the soil and one of the the third moon in our old ways is the worm moon and the worm of course is well darwin called the worm nature's plow because it moves Mm -hmm. the soil and at the same time um certainly here you'll start seeing the mole hills again and the mold mole hills of course are the mole's larder where they're starting to fill up their larder with worms and we won't go into that because it's a bit horrid but um <laughs> yeah they're, they're starting to eat the worms. they're starting to move the earth as well so they're all moving the earth as it wants to be so that the plants and everything can start to come up and start to grow so our ritual would have something to do with that but precisely what would be quite another thing i mean we don't go around sort of every every one of the eight seasons going oh here's some more mead and have some more rose petals um we have laughter about that quite a bit it's sort of like i can just imagine them as we well, as my dad used to put it he had a place called which i've kept up he had a place called the shapeshifters arms which was a pub and mm-hmm. it's not a real pub in this world but he said right. he always imagined all of our guides and friends and they'd have a tough day with you know their human and they go in the pumps oh give us a pint george can't stand it today do you know what mine did and then well oh, i can top that one do you know what mine did and he <laughs> make these stories and jokes about how our guides our friends our teachers would all be sort of saying really I've told them 15 times, you know, I've told that Ellen woman, and she's absolutely bloody useless. Have another drink, George, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my experience with Otherworld is all that. And I work with them all the time, because that's how we were brought up. I've got those who follow, who I follow, who work with me particularly, but sometimes you need somebody different. And so you'll be standing there going, how am I going to deal with this, whatever it is, like a house move or something. And you'll feel that there's a different being, a different presence has come to you and said, I can give you a hand with that. You said, oh, please, let's sit down and talk about it. What do we do? So are you getting a feel of how I work? and how all of us in the old ways work it's like it's not like set or ritual or anything like that and they come in all shapes and sizes of course i mean as i said we have the giants in scotland or giantesses in scotland human-sized beings or at least they appear to us as human-sized beings Um, around here in shropshire there's all sorts of traditions here and stories well let's call it stories devon 
different stories, but they can be various sizes. They tend, you'll very often find small people in Devon, small people in Cornwall and in Somerset. And I have found them as far up as Hereford. I used to live in further down the Welsh border in a place called Herefordshire. And there, when we first came there, in fact, it was quite fascinating how we came there as well. Um, we needed to move. We were moving out of London. So it was going right from, you know, 12 million people city to the countryside on the Welsh border. And we were looking for a house and looking for a house and looking for a house. And then this particular house turned up. And it felt right. You know what that means, don't you? you yes. Know, you, you sort of think, that's it. You've got no mm. logical reason, no brain stuff telling you, but you know that's it. So we turned up, and it was it. It was perfect, just what I needed at the time. So we moved in, settled in, and I wanted a big garden because I'm a rabid OCD gardener. Um, as well I love it and they hadn't done anything to this so I said to them you know this this will be it we'll do this this will be perfect and then so I started with the garden and again I start that same way because of course the land has its spirit spirit of place the spirit of place of that house in its land the spirit of place of that part of the Welsh border so I sort of sit there what do you want me to do and do you do this and you get pictures in your head and you think yeah there's going to be a, fa uh, a pool over there and a, a tree over there so you go back and check it out again and yeah yeah tree over there pool there so I did all of this stuff and my husband's um, into all the old ways as well but in his way which is different from mine but it works very well and he and one of my uncles, my gardening uncle, um, have done what's called biodynamics all their lives, which is mm -hmm. a way of working with ground, which is now being taken up by some of the best wine manufacturers in the world as well. Um, so it does work, um, although it sounds completely nuts and completely crazy. So Paul started to do biodynamics on our ground. And you've read Lord of the Rings, I'm sure you have. Oh, several times, yes. Yeah. Well, you know the, the horse people, the Rorin? Mm hmm Well, over the garden hedge, there were suddenly these two about 20-foot-high beings that looked like the Rorin, you know, complete mm -hmm. with hair and... And you know, and horny helmets and the whole thing. And I sort of looked up and went, Really? And so, yeah, who are you? So I said, Well, I'm Ellen and I'm going to look after this garden and help it to grow how it wants to grow. Well, I'm not sure about that. I said, Well, you know, this is it. This is what I want to do. And the garden seems very happy about it. So, what's what's bugging you? So, yeah, but you'll start off doing it right and then you'll get bored and you'll go away. That's what humans always do. So I looked and I said, 
no no we won't go until the land says we need to go maybe that will be never we'll stay mm, we'll watch and see that well, i don't believe i don't trust humans an inch no and they went off and we carried on and after a bit and they kept paul saw them too they kept going they're out there they're looking over the edge again okay i'm going out to jimmy bard and i said it'll be fine and so there they were doing it and um that eventually they really got friendly and this you mean it don't you you're not liars like most humans as well we may well be but as far as this goes we're not we're, we're being honest with you it's fine so that was good and then the funniest thing happened i'm also a crazy cat lady oh you see cat lady perfect <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so i got two lovely ginger cats a boy and a girl at the time and they were out with me in the garden i was doing stuff and these two smaller rurim type people children climbed over the hedge and came in and they started to chase the cats well i may be a very small human and middle-aged at the very least i was furious and i just uh, said scream scream you know like don't you dare touch my cat sort of thing and they did stop and then mum popped her head over the over the hedge i said you get your bloody kids out of here <laughs> <laughs> i am not having them chasing my cats and she looked at me she looked at the kids she get here come on back now they're sorry about that i didn't know they'd done it but she said well done for shouting i'm glad you're mm -hmm. not one of the cats I'm glad you're you believe in yourself as much as I believe in myself. So it was really quite funny that one. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> it, it is, and it, it's it's very different to most of the core shamanism that people are, are taught, isn't it? Oh yes, yes, it is. It's it's interesting though. Um, that's that's kind of how I've always practiced um mm -hmm. i don't i'm not a wiccan um i've never I, i'm just not good at those very staid stately sounding mm -hmm. rituals it mm -hmm. sounds kind of high church you know it doesn't sound yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound real so the way that i do things is is i listen and I discuss, um, that's how I talk with the spirits. Yeah. Um, and it was very, very funny. The very first time I, you know, used the technique of, of core shamanism to travel into the spirit world. You know, I was taught that the, the, you have to see your, your helper spirit three times to know that it's yours. Mm -hmm. And this fox came bouncing up to me and then ran away. Mm -hmm. And then I kept wandering around and it came back. It sort of, you know, dashed out from behind a, a tree and stopped mm -hmm. and stared at me and then went away. Mm -hmm. And I didn't follow it. 
And so the third time he was up in a tree because, of course, they can climb trees, which I did not know at that time. And uh, he just sat there and looked down at me and was like, are you going to follow me or not? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds sounds perfectly real. (laughs) That's totally, totally real, Barbara. I I said, oh, well, I said I was supposed to see you three times and he's like ah yeah good god really oh that's ridiculous (laughs) he just hopped down from the tree and walked up to me and went you're going to have to speed up and not be thick he was very (laughs) very british and again i was shocked because yeah, I knew that my grandfather's parents had been from Britain, but I, 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 you know, I didn't really think anything of it. And yeah. he <laughs> he is still around, and he is still just oh, as sharp-tongued. Yeah, and yeah. he's and he's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I remember my teachers asking, "Well, what happened?" And I told them, and. <laughs> <laughs> they, they laughed and they said, "So you're, you, you're, you, you, that one is is a familial line thing. That's <laughs> so that's what I do when you were when yeah. you're talking about going out to the special place and sitting and listening. Yeah, that's how I do things. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm I have always been." what I guess some people call an instinctive witch that I don't, you know, and then my, my daughter Morgana, uh, she also is an instinctive witch, but she's a, uh, she's a very good mixture of native American instinctive practices and British because, you know, she's, She's for, she's from my side of the family primarily, but mm. her father also had Native American mm. um, in his family as well as my grandfather's mm. wife, mm-hmm. um, my grandmother. She was she was mostly Native American, so it blends together very handily in Morgana. And you know, she calls herself a lazy witch, and I'm like, but you don't have to use magic for every darn thing. You know, <laughs> it's you just listen yes, and no. talk with them and converse. Yeah. You know, it's not that you're not. It's not that you're lazy. It's that you don't do a ritual unless hmm. it's necessary. If it's they like, ask you, you for one, then you you say, yes. "What would you like?" and you do it. Yes. And otherwise, it's like talking to your friends. Yeah, you know, I don't sort of make a, a ritual to go down and pop down and see my friend down the road, and neither do you. Um, you might actually ring up and say, "You busy? I want to come down." But I mean, that would be as far as it would go. Yeah, and yeah, they want us to treat them like that. They don't want to be worshipped. They want to work with us so that we can all help to make Earth better. And to mm-hmm. make human beings much nicer people than most of us are. And mm-hmm. ones who care. 
And that's what Ellen is about so much. I mean, for us in Britain, and the oldest deer carving in a cave that had been painted as well, um, that we found so far is, I think, 14,000 years old. And that's down in West, in West Wales. But people keep finding things all the time. And we keep finding things that show that deer, for instance, has been important to our people for a long, long time. And they're finding this all around the world as well. But mm -hmm. they're finding it not just deer. It's whatever often has come down through the stories of those people, which have often been disregarded because they're not academic. They're just fairy stories from people. Mm -hmm. And although they may be way off, you know, they've grown enormously in two or three thousand years, the core is still there. And I think that is what is so important, that we need to keep the core, but we also need to actually bring it up to date so that people can use it and work with it now. And that's what I find I'm naturally doing, and in the oddest ways because uh, I write, as you know, mm -hmm. and I've been teaching the old ways for 40 years now. But three years ago, uh, we got kicked out of the Hereford House, which was very amusing. It wasn't at the time. It was heartbreaking. But it, looking back, it's amusing because, well, what one of my, my major guides said to me at the time, is said, well, you've done your apprenticeship now for 40 years. It's time you moved on and did some real work for us. So it was a little bit of a facer. Yeah. <laughs> and you sort of go, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, and really? And um, then I got what I call this, like the Dear John text message. He said, you won't be working with me, you'll be working with Gwyn. And it was like uh -huh. being put down by a boyfriend. Yeah. And you sort of go, And you stop squeaking, get over it. And <laughs> so, you know, I had a good old cry. And yeah, Gwyn, Gwynat Nurse, who is also antlered, um, I've known him for years too and worked with him too. And so it's like, well, okay, I shall miss you, you know. And um, anyway, as soon as I let go of hanging on to my original teacher and the house and everything. Within a week, we found the house we're now in. And this is when, you better tell your daughter this, this is where magic happens all the time. Because where the house is, is right in the middle of a whole mass of Gwynapnos legends. Is the antlered psychopomp, um, leads the wild hunt, all of this kind of stuff in the stories. And there are actually human legends here. Um, they're known around the wild Edric legends, if people want to look that up. And he has a very small mountain here. Where this is, about 500 odd million years ago, used to be a caldera full of volcanoes, active volcanoes. Thank goodness they're all asleep now, so it's okay. 
but we've got pointy pointy mountains small ones all around us and this one in particular i used to go up and down on the train between hereford and scotland my friend in scotland and the train goes right past it for about five or six miles and it's so beautiful I always have my nose stuck against the glass of the train <laughs> all the way going, I want to be up there, I want to be up there, quick climb that. Well, this house, the front window, looks directly at that mountain, <laughs> just across the valley, about, I suppose, four or five miles as the crow flies. And at the top of that hill, there's a cave. It's quite hard to find. You have to get, get to the top and then go down a little bit. Anyway, found it after we came here. And sitting in there with a friend and the binoculars, and we looked out. And guess what? When you look out of the mouth of the cave with the binoculars, you see my front door. Ah. <laughs> so it's so like, oh, oh, right, okay. So did tell you you were coming to me because this mount, this hill, it's called the Caradoc, um, is one of Gwynapnus' major places. His cave has got lots of stories about if you go and sleep in it, which several of my students have and I have. You get dreams of him there. Mm -hmm. Helpful dreams, not just sort of Disney stuff. But go in there. One of my one of my students, she does a lot of ecology work, and she's building a lot into regenerative farming here. And she knows that she's got a really strong relationship with him, and she got some stuff to do, the bringing people together and organising a conference and all this sort of thing. And so she took it up there and slept there one full moon. And she came back. By the time she got down to the bottom of the hill again in the morning, she got her plan. And it works. It's now working very well. So again, Morgana, yeah, fine. Magic works all the time, my girl. <laughs> oh, it does. So anyway, I've we moved up here and I'm still teaching uh, the old ways, the magic. But what I'm now doing is I'm now working the old courses that I have been teaching for years into ways that I can use for life coaching for business women. Ah. Yeah. And I've got some good background for that as well. As well as an author, I'm also a psychotherapist. So I've got I know how things, how to do things, how to work with this. And I've, I've been practicing for 30 odd years now. So I'm actually bringing all of the old ways slowly into programs, as they call them, um, teaching setups, called things like Seven Steps for Success. And what I'm teaching them is the basics of the old ways of magic but i don't need to mention magic at all in the teaching mm -hmm. and this is what gwyn wanted me to do it's taken me a couple of years to work it up and i'm still working it up but i'm not the only one who's doing it either but 
he and Ellen in particular, because she sort of came in. Once I got my act together a bit, she sort of came in and said, oh, well, there you are. Now you've got over it. Now you can get on with the work. Now sit down with me and I'll help you with this. And if only we could get all of this knowing that, yeah, your mind is not everything that there is into business. Don't you feel it would make a difference to the world? It should. It, mm. it absolutely should. Mm. You know, that's one of the things that's the worst about a sort of Western materialist capitalism is, is it mm. completely divorces itself mm. in, in principle from mm. what is called the quote-unquote natural world. Like mm. humans are not part of the natural world, but we are. Even if we live in a city, even if we don't walk barefoot in the grass every day, we're still part of the natural world and nature will insinuate itself right through concrete if it takes a mind to. And it does. It does. And, and I, I got an amazing thing I was doing was about three weeks ago. I did a, a webinar for Itzhak Pullman um, and his group. And... At the end of it, people went really well and the group was marvellous, a fantastic chat. And at the end of it, one of them asked me, well, how do we do all this in a city? And so I said to him, well, what's concrete made of? Deadly silence, lots of thought. I said, well, did it come in on an asteroid or is it part of Mother Earth's body? Oh, What's glass? Mm -hmm. Well, it's sand. Well, isn't that part of Mother Earth's body? Oh, so I'm living still with Mother Earth stuff, but it's been crafted into shapes by humans. Mind you, we did that with sort of roundhouses and log huts, but still. Um, this is a bit more complicated, maybe. And what I've done and this is what the man said who asked me the question. He said, what I've done is I've cut myself off from that. Because it's concrete, I've cut myself off from it. And that I is... Felt, I felt a, that was so significant. Yes. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a very strong realization for him. Mm. And for everyone. Mm. Yeah. But that sounds like it was particularly strong for him to, to realize that everything that surrounds us is part of nature. Again, exactly. you know, I love the way you said, well, did it come on an asteroid? <laughs> did it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> no, we dug it up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Come on. But it's things like that. You know, the lime and concrete is. Yeah. Yeah. It's shells. It's seashells. It's old seashells. It's limestone. Which was old animals who yes. died and got squished. You know, and all of them. Yeah. We hate plastic. And I don't like what we do with plastic, but I don't hate plastic. But plastic comes from oil. And oils come yeah. from squished dead trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so does coal. Yeah. My, yeah. 
Now, what we do with them is a whole other thing. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we managed to mess that up nicely, although we seem to be possibly getting a little better. But I, th I think people are fun. starting to catch the drift that maybe this mm. isn't the best way. Yeah. Yeah. But you've got a lot of stubborn people who say, we've been making billions of pounds or dollars or whatever for years and like this, we don't want to stop. My answer to that has always been, can you eat thousands of pounds like themselves? Can you drink it? Can you breathe it? Yeah. I, I don't know. To me, money is a, is a construct. Yes, it's part of the natural world because we use natural things to make it. But it is based purely on a human idea of commerce. It's not, you know, we don't. We don't have the gold standard anymore where, you know, X number of pieces of paper equals one ounce of gold or whatever. It's not how it works. I haven't had that for a few years. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but on Since the other hand, and this is something um, I imagine, I, I could be quite wrong. I imagine this must come in core shamanism as well. But everything in our old ways of Britain is exchange. And this happens mm -hmm. with the fair folk, the little ones, the fairy people. If you exchange, mm -hmm. I will be, like you were saying about the little boy who made bargains, I will exchange yep. this if you will exchange that with me. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, um, I actually need my students and my clients to pay me with money. Because they may be very because good at making drums or growing cabbages or something like that. But actually, I can't pay the mortgage with that. Right. And so I need something like your piece of paper is this ounce of gold. I need a form of exchange. Mm -hmm. But I don't need to hoard that to myself. I don't feel that I'm a better person because I've got 10 million pounds. Right. But, you know, I wouldn't if I did. Um, whereas some people seem to think that is, that's it, that that's success. Mm -hmm. that that's being good, climbing the ladder. And that's what's wrong. You don't hoard the stuff. You keep it flowing, keep it going round. Yeah. Make it available yeah. to everybody. Yeah. It's... Uh... Well, it's it's like the principles of supporting local businesses, yeah, local farmers, yeah. in yeah. preference to yeah. large corporate um, grocery chains. Um, where I live, yeah, this small town in Appalachian, Ohio, has a huge mm -hmm. local food community. It, and it is a community. So we have Ooh. restaurants that base their menus and their ordering on the farmers who are here within, you know, 100 miles of our town. And so Ooh. all of that circulates. And you, yeah. what you learn, I mean, I, I had to take economics three times in college because, you know, the first time I, I took it, my brain went, it's math. 
I can't do what it. What is this? It's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the second time I took it, my brain went, wait a minute, this is some made up crap. You know, I can, I can do math if I have to do it for chemistry or biology, but this is, I don't, this, I mean, it was during the Reagan era. So there was a lot of that trickle down economics crap in there that really does not work. And so I, I fought it until the third time. And then I realized if you take that concept and you shrink it down to a local economy, it does mm-hmm. work. But you have yes. to have yes. people participating yes. in it. And that's where it becomes a community thing. And now yeah. I get it. Yeah. But I, I remember when I was young, I was just like, oh, my God, what is this? Why? And then I, I still don't I quite understand uh, hoarding money. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm just, I don't get it. No, I mean, I keep savings for just in case. Um, but well, yeah, I but don't that's not hoarding. hoard masses of it. Um, yeah. And, and I keep it circulating. And um, you said you told me before we started uh, your husband's into music and he's also into recording and all that sort of thing and i was mm-hmm. grinning here uh, we couldn't see each other but i was because um my husband um is also deeply into music and he used to uh, when i first met him the first couple of weeks we were together we went to a friend's house and the friend had got a piano so he went off to the piano and he just thought he'd sort of tinkle around and um, see if his hand was, hands were still good and he could do it. So what he decided to sit down and have a quick little practice with was Rachmaninoff's first symphony, his first piano oh concerto. Yeah. So I thought, well, if that's your idea of practice, hmm. <laughs> 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 so he's into music. He... He's also, he's an ex-particle physicist, um, which was quite fun. And he's also, he's the sort of person who can actually tell you physics, the concepts of it, in the cat sat on the mat without needing mm-hmm. a bunch of equations and, you know, words of 25 syllables or something like that. So I actually learned a lot because he could actually, I could say, well, why is that doing that? And he said, well, it's because of this, dear, like that. And then he'd do a diagram or, you know, something mm-hmm. like you know something easy and also when i met him he was actually a recording engineer <laughs> <laughs> so i think we got a few things in common here barbara <laughs> sounds like it it sounds like it uh, yeah, yeah. I, I love physics actually and chemistry both but my math skills are just horrible but I understand the concepts. Mm. And for a few years, I was teaching adult education classes in cooking. I was a chef Mm -hmm. for quite a few years. And it turned out the people that I, who kept coming to my classes and taking my classes, um, a lot of them worked at Goddard Space Center. And they liked me because I explained, I explained things in ways that they could understand because I talked about the physics of, Mm -hmm. of cookery and the chemistry of it. And so they understood it and, and they could, you know, grasp the concept. So, yeah, I, I, I loved teaching them. They were so much fun. 
Yeah. That, to me, that's another form of magic. If you can talk to somebody in their language about what really turns you on mm-hmm. and they can understand it without having to, you know, go on 15 weekend courses and a university degree, then right. A, you know it very well and B, you can communicate it. And that is so important. This is what I'm learning in a new way now to how do I put over all the stuff that I grew up with when I was a kiddie, all the magic, all the beautiful things that I learned. How do I put that over for stressed solopreneurs, stressed solo businesswomen? And yes, I'm succeeding. Very small, but gradually succeeding, thank the gods. And you know, I'm, well, I'm sure you do, but there are so many women now, particularly those who are working for themselves, doing their own business, who are saying, there's so much more to this than, you know, the business stuff that I was taught when I was doing my business degree or whatever. And there's so much more to it. I mean, that people are asking me now, I haven't got it together yet, they're asking me now to show how they can use the moon phases and cycles and our old British talismans for the moon, like um, we have wolf moon, snow moon, worm moon, etc. through. Mm-hmm. How we can use those, ta- they can use those talismans as well as the phases, as well as how the moon is working with the sun to help them do their business properly. And very little thing. We've oh, just come through like the that. full moon now, haven't we? So yeah. full moon. There you are. Top of your top of your game. Everything's really blossoming and happening for you. And that's sort of like you've breathed you like you're breathing, you breathe all the way in. Well, there's only one thing your lung can do then, isn't it? Is let it go. Let the breath go. Mm-hmm. You can't hold that full moon. You can't hold that energy. You can't hold that breath. So now we're into the the waning moon and she's coming down to the third quarter. And so we're starting to let go. And at the third quarter, you really need to let go. So your projects come up, your business project has come up and happened. And you've got, because you were working with the moon, you've got it going. And then now you just let it go, let it sort of lose some of that energy and go into a dark, the darker place and go down, down, down to the new moon, which is like the womb. So mm-hmm. there again, it's gestating, it's being fertilized, gestating, and it'll come through again with the next part of the project. And so what they're asking mm-hmm. me for is how, you know, show me how to plan my business and my projects and my marketing and my customer relations and all this sort of stuff in those phases with the moon and how is like a current one how is you know pisces and virgo how are they working with this particular moon and would i be better to wait for i don't know something a bit more sort of pushy until we went into aries 
Mm-hmm. And what would be better with the fish flowing and Virgo with the earth holding? And so I'm trying to put this together. <laughs> Imagine, Barbara. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I've not got a business degree. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it's. But, yeah, but it's the same kind of idea as planting and sowing and reaping and tending yeah. and preserving yeah. and letting the land rest, right? Yeah, yeah. So It's all of those things. You see, that I learned from my grandfather again, um, mm-hmm. the, the one whose family was British. Mm-hmm. Um, and he planted by the, the sun and the moon. Oh yes, um, and he doused yeah. too. Yeah, and he taught me how yeah. to douse. Yeah, um, you know. So, yeah, all of those things. Have you taught any business people how to douse yet? Yes, I have. Yeah. See, there you go. They're amazed. Um, my, I had some amazing experiences um, with the, not recently, but um, where we lived previously with the local electricity companies and the local gas companies, um, particularly when they can't find wires or pipes in old buildings. The underground, yeah. And yeah. They're, they're buried in the wall or something, which is even worse. Where do I drill a hole? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You know. And yeah. um, I've been, I was asked to you know, go and find the things. And they, so I did. And they said, how did you do that? Because once you... Once well, certainly our workmen, once they see something like that, very often they can say, how would you do that? It's just like this. Come on, let's do it. There's, there'll be another pipe over there. You go and see if you can find it, and this is how. And yeah. they were really interested. So Yeah, it, it didn't used to be that special of a thing. To be able no. to to douse, no. it it used to be. Well, you must have almost, it over there. You want water? You go. You look for it. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it it was really funny. I remember when my grandfather taught me, and mm-hmm. uh, I was really good with finding water, finding springs, and so when people on the the ridge where he lived were gonna dig a new well Mm -hmm. or look for a spring they'd call him up and if i was there he'd take me with him and we could check each other you know and and Mm -hmm. so it got to be this you know completely normal thing um Mm -hmm. and even my dad who is totally not from Mm -hmm. that line of people he's he's german pretty much straight up all the way he and he's very logical very rational and uh, mm-hmm. he watched me do it, and he tried it, and he could do it right away. Yeah, yeah. And when yeah. the the forked stick twisted in his hand and pulled down, he he dropped the stick because he didn't expect it to pull. <laughs> oh so my hard. god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like it had turned into a oh, snake I've seen for it. a second. It's so funny. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It absolutely is. Yeah. I was talking to, a, I had a client this morning, um, a businesswoman client, and um, she's in a state of flux and moving, and she's gradually, I'm helping her build her courage so that she can do it, basically. Right. So we got to, you know, towards the end of the session, <clears throat> and she said, 
well, that's my dream. That's what I'd like to do. But I don't know if it's going to happen. And I said, it's going to happen. Oh, well, I, I don't know. I can't. I can't say that. And I said, darling, when you were riding a bike, when you were learning to ride a bike, and you said, I can't ride a bike, you kept falling off it, didn't you? And then mm -hmm. one day you sort of weren't thinking about it, or you decided you could, and you were riding the bike. Mm -hmm. Saying you can't, we are very powerful, and this is another form of magic. You're very powerful with our brains. Our brains can turn off all the rest of us when we say we can't. And it's something to be really careful of. And it's certainly something that is in all our old ways. And my guides will say, you know, they'll hear me say, oh, I can't do that. And it, really, Ellen? Oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot. I thought I taught you better than that, Ellen. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, I How don't get that. To tell you? No, they're, 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 not, they're not mean. Um, I know. They are all tricksters. But yeah, they're tricksters my... are the very best teachers. If you've got <laughs> yeah. a trickster as a teacher, you are worth it. <laughs> like yes. Your fox. Yes. Yes, fox. We have two foxes in the house and two coyotes. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, they're perfect then. Yeah, they're all oh, absolutely right. Yeah. But that's another thing yeah. people sort of say, and I, I think this is the build-up of, I don't know, stories, Christianity, civilization, the age of enlightenment or whatever. Um, they sort of say, oh, well, a trickster's bad. No, a trickster's testing you. Sort mm -hmm. of, can I, can I get her to go down the down to the shop and buy try and buy a tin of striped paint and yep. you know so you go down there and say i want a tin of striped paint and the shopkeeper looks at you and goes what <laughs> you realize you were being asked for something you know and you mm -hmm. sort of come back so you see you won't do that again though will you you'll listen and you'll think before you say yes Mm -hmm. It's one of the stories in all the fairy stories that says, you know, you don't say yes straight away. It is really not a good idea to go in and say, oh, th I mean, I love the threeness. And there's very much threeness thing with us. Mm -hmm. And we're all said, ask, you know, when you're asking for your one of your familiar spirits to come to you and you've not met them before, so you ask them three times. And on the third time, they will mm -hmm. tell you the truth. Before that, mm -hmm. they may well try and lead you up the garden path to see if you're gullible. Because mm -hmm. if you're gullible, then you need more training before you can take on a familiar spirit. Right. So yeah, it's it, it's it's this kind of thing. It's it's good teaching. You know, I mean, yeah. what's the chemistry one where you um, you know, get a whole load of gas in a tin can? And then somebody sets light to it and it bounces up to the ceiling and knocks the plaster off. Yep. And everybody remembers. Oh, yeah. 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 There is a story that was told in my culinary school that, you know, the, the actual thing had happened 10, 15 years before. And they mm -hmm. always told it to remind us, you know, never to pour brandy from a bottle onto Ooh. a flaming 
bowl of crepes is it (laughs) because it makes a fireball and you know burns all the hair off your face and (laughs) it makes it could be worse if you were unlucky yes Mm. yeah yeah Yeah, it could have been way worse than it was she Mm. nobody was permanently hurt but she didn't have eyebrows um so yeah uh because because of course it basically turned the brandy bottle into a, a rocket yeah luckily I mean, no one if, was if hit it, by it yeah exactly and i mean if it explodes then everybody could be hit by um oh the glass, glass and everything you know, it's, it's awful yeah yeah L- luckily the the wall that it caught that caught it was far mm. away from actual people it just made Good. you know a mess the dining room and the girl's eyebrows and, Scared yes. the living bejesus out of everybody, too. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> well, it would do. And that's one thing, actually, that I have never found in all my life and all my teaching. I've never found that what I call other world, the spirit world, uh, our guides, familiars, teachers, all those, they never put a student in that much danger. No. They'll put them in a place of possibly being embarrassed, or probably being embarrassed, let's put it that way, um, and getting things wrong, but they won't... I've never known them put a student into a place where they will get killed. No. And no. I've, I've known not spirits, noticed that either. I've known what they call spirits do that, but when I've investigated, they've always been what I was taught to call thought forms, i.e. Mm-hmm. thoughts that have been created by human maliciously. And those hang yeah. about, and those are not nice. Oh, they're nasty. But they're not the spirit world. They're created by our, our thoughts. I think politicians are totally brilliant at creating them for a start. But if you keep think so thinking too. bad thoughts about something, you create it. You create the an energy being that will do nasty things. Mm-hmm. And I've had to sort sort them out in houses and places and things like. Oh that. yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's a hundred percent the truth. That is that is mm-hmm. how that sort of thing comes into being. And the saddest thing is most of the time when people make them, they have no idea. But that's no, actually no, what they're doing. No, they don't. No. Uh, we used to, before we got all sort of, you know, mental and only thinking with our heads and, you know, intuition was rubbish and instincts are only for animals yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Before we got to that, we used to know all that and people wouldn't yeah. do it. But nowadays, well, you can't do anything like that. Except, of course, you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what you do in what you speak and what you think can yeah. become what is real. It can become yeah. reality. Yeah. And you, you, I mean, that's that's psychology at this point. Right. You could just—I've had so many really good therapists who are like, you know, you, you have to change your way of thinking change your way of thinking and i was like this is magic 
<laughs> some I some therapists I wouldn't say that to, but a couple yeah. of them I did, and I said that that's actually the core principles of magic. They're right there. Yes. It is. I was very lucky with the. Um, I'm a transpersonal psychotherapist, and my teachers, mm-hmm. both both of my main teachers, both had their own spiritual paths. Um, a bit different to mine, mm-hmm. but they had them. And after the first, or towards the end of the first year, I was there just like you, thinking that's magic. That's how we do it. And I was getting to feel safe with both of them. And so I sort of said, this is what we used to do. This is the magic I was taught and brought up with. And they both sort of just looked at me and nodded and went, yeah, was for us too. Mm-hmm. But this is, this is how we can put it over to people who can't cope with it, if I say magic. Oh, they'll run screaming for the hills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you can put it over in... Um, good psychotherapy work then it's it, it's still working even if it doesn't have mm-hmm. the labels well you so, don't need to call it magic i no. mean it still works yeah and yeah. yeah it isn't saying magic isn't safe for i would say a good large percentage of of modern people in in you know the united states and the uk in Europe, I'd say mm. a good percentage of people, if you say that, that they'll they'll laugh, or they'll be yeah. mocked if they say it, or mm. but if they just do it and don't worry about labeling it, then it works yeah. perfectly well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a little funny one that I will do with people when I'm, you know, doing a speaking engagement or. Um, even talking with students and that, and so, so it's usually near the beginning, and they sort of say, "Well, do you have spells in the old way? Do you make spells? Do you?" Yeah. And so, so, last time you drove into town on a Saturday, it's the last mile. Were you going? Give me a parking space. Give me a parking mm-hmm. space. Give me a parking space. Give me a parking space. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Wasn't that a spell? Mm-hmm. That's a spell that everybody does. Yeah, everybody does it. You know. And that when they sort of realize that that's what it's about and that it can be used just as usefully for finding yourself a parking space, um, it sort of goes, oh. And the attitude to it changes. Mm-hmm. And you start to get, it doesn't happen with everybody, but you start to be able to get into people. Mm-hmm. You just start to be able to. And that's where I'm going with it all. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to find things like that to say, this is it. You know? Yeah. What's the magic of spring? Well, how do you see, you know, you pick snowdrops, haven't you? Of course you have. Yes. Mm-hmm. That delicate little stem that you can just snap with your finger and thumb. But that little stem has pushed itself through six inches of frozen earth. How did that happen? Because it's not broken. And so, oh, you know. 
it's like you said earlier about the disconnect that you know humans are different to the rest of the world mm -hmm. and it's trying to bring that back we're, we're not we're part of everything and it's important yeah and and you know we find you know you were speaking about the snowdrop and the magic of spring and mm. um gardening and how you're you're an obsessive gardener <laughs> i understand that i come from gardening people um mm. one of the things that uh chemists and and uh doctors and and therapists have found is you feel better if you dig in the earth yes. if you Good. let the soil touch your hands and yes, yes it is magic but it's also mm. uh the microbiome that lives in the soil the, Isn't some that of magic those too? exactly the little yeah. tiny things you can't see yeah. sink yeah. into your skin and make you feel mm. better you know mm. i here in here where i grew up in west virginia I a lot of people would you know tease people who walked around barefoot all the time because mm -hmm. that's a hillbilly thing to do you know yeah. and uh, yeah. th th they'd look down on you but that's I, I always feel better if I don't you know <laughs> wear shoes all the time I very mm -hmm. seldom wear shoes anymore I mean after this pandemic I think I don't know I I've spend maybe an hour a day in shoes I just don't wear them if I can mm. help it but you mm. go outside with that and the yeah. soles of your feet soak up all yeah. of what's around you and what's under your feet and it's it's good it is it is one of the things that I've found is very useful now people are really getting used to the idea of the microbiome and of the fungi uh, mycorrhiza in particular and they're getting to realize how far these things the mycorrhiza travel and that once mm -hmm. upon a time they were on right through every part of the soil everywhere mm -hmm. and they're this amazing thread and they will transport food from one tree to another tree the trees communicate through them mm -hmm. um, all of this stuff and they it goes between the plants and not just the trees and then the animals of course because the animals eat the plants and i was brought up that we live in a web of connection a web of energy connection the spirit threads mm -hmm. and i was brought up to call them the deer trods they're the deer paths but they're the deer paths through everything through the whole universe the whole earth as well and they are mostly invisible to most people but they do the same or very similar things to what the mycorrhiza the biome does so there's the old old adage of as above so below mm -hmm. um so, so you've got in the physical you've got the mycorrhiza you've got the biome that keeps us alive and in the spirit you've got the equivalent the diatrods which is a biome which connects mm -hmm. us, us alive too and then you take it right out into astrophysics and they you've got what they call the cosmic web 
Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> now, I just, okay, that's interesting because I just put up on my Instagram uh, feed a piece of art I did yesterday called Indra's oh, Web. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I'm and, and, and it's an illustration of that. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll send you a, a, a piece of it. And I'll Amazing. also send you a piece of art that I did. It was the last time I had a um, art show and it was at the public library here mm-hmm. and it was before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the paintings is called wood woman and her daughters. And in the background, I did a collage of, vintage photographs of mm-hmm. Appalachian women. That's mm-hmm. the region that I'm from, Appalachia. Mm-hmm. And um, they were, they had animals with them and they were all doing traditional things like mm-hmm. um, spinning yarn. Um, one woman was a snake handler, so she was holding two rattlesnakes. Mm-hmm. That's a thing in, in some of the churches in Appalachia. Mm-hmm. Um there, there was a, another girl who was sitting and looking out of a window. She was sitting in the windowsill, mm-hmm. and she had a cat with her. And, you know, all of this. And then it's that part is mostly covered by leaves that are falling, mm-hmm. but you can still see them. And then mm-hmm. the main picture is of Wood Woman that I painted over it. And she's a woman who has eyes like a deer, Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not, they don't look like human eyes at all. Mm-hmm. And she has sort of a long neck because she's her, her body is that of a deer, but she has the face of a woman mm-hmm. and then she has deer ears and she has antlers. Oh. And, uh, I painted her as that was my feeling of what the spirit of this city is. Athens. Oh, how lovely. And, and I I was hanging the the all of the paintings for the exhibit and she was still leaning up against a wall waiting. And this little boy came in and he must have been 3. He wasn't very old. And he came running over and he said, oh, hello, hello. And I thought he was talking to me, but he was talking to her. Oh, and he put his hands beautiful. on either side of it and was looking her in the face and saying, oh, oh, oh you're here, you're here. And I was just like, what? You know, and his mom oh. came running over. Oh, don't touch, don't touch. I'm like, honestly, he's not going to hurt it. It's mm-hmm. It's got so much, you know, varnish on it. He can't do anything to it. It's It's not a big deal. And he kissed it. Oh, and, how beautiful. And then all of these adults, after I hung her and was working on the rest of it, would come and look at that and go, is that from a book? Is that a, an illustration from a book? And I was like, why? And they were like, oh, she's so familiar. And I said, uh, well, that's because <laughs> she's the guardian spirit of this town. And they were like, how did you know? I was like, well, I dreamed her. That's and I said, I think maybe you dream her too. And they were like, oh. Now, luckily, Athens is 
pretty, we've got a lot of spiritual people here. So, you know, they didn't haul me away for being crazy. Um, But that little boy still gets me. He's like, oh, you're here, you're here. And I was like, I looked at the painting. I was like, have you been Mm. talking to that little boy? (laughs) Um, And yeah, and if I ever leave, if we ever move, I'm going to have to give that painting to someone here yeah. who's going to stay yeah. because she has to stay yeah. somewhere. Maybe I'll see if I can give it to the city or to the library and so she can stay here because she's not supposed to leave. No, no. But isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? That's, I love that, that, children are open and they they feel this instinctively and when you have adults around who listen to children Mm. they become open too yes and and this the spirits can can speak then even if it's not in you know people i don't know some people seem to expect that when the spirits speak it has to be this big you know, thunder and lightning, um, you know, yeah. that kind of big thing, but really it can be subtle mm-hmm. and you just have to listen and yes. watch. It isn't just listening. It's also observation. Yeah. Listen and, and watch here mm-hmm. and don't interpret it into something what you know. Listen yeah. and hear the words, even if you don't understand it, or yeah. hear the sounds, or hear the pictures. Yeah, you will. Yeah, a lot of things it. come in pictures, don't they? Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a big thing that I think mm. some people really need to let go and listen and and as you say, listen to the pictures. Mm. It's people think that sounds a little weird, but. It isn't really. It's just being open to communication. And it's one of the first things that I'm teaching everybody in this new course I've got for these businesswomen. I think that's wonderful. They're working. They're doing it. Um, Good. It's saying it's making a difference. That's that's wonderful. I I don't feel so stressed. I actually got the answer to my problem while I was driving into work. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's fine. When it starts coming, when you're cleaning your teeth, you know you've really got it. <laughs> yep, or taking a shower. <laughs> oh. <laughs> let's let's leave it there before we get any further <laughs> into when they yeah, decide to right. do things. <laughs> There's all kinds of ways. <laughs> we won't go into that today. Yeah, we'll leave that to everybody's imagination. <laughs> My listeners have good imaginations, that's for sure. So that'll be good. <laughs> oh, so we've been talking for almost an hour and a half. Is there anything else you specifically want to say? Oh, about five million things, I should think. But I think we probably ought to let the listeners digest, digest. what we've got now. Yeah. And maybe we could do this again sometime, Barbara. I would love to. I would very much love to and I'd like you to meet Morgana. Um because I would love to. she she would I she would really, really like you. So 
when she's finished <laughs> with her last semester of college, which will be at the end of May, we can mm-hmm. definitely get back together. I had a great, fun, great deal of fun. And maybe, you know, come the summer, you could come on my podcast, my powerful oh. women co- podcast. That would be excellent. I'd love to. Very much love to. Let's well, thank do you. an exchange on that then. Okay. We will definitely do that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Barbara. And it's been great meeting all of you, all of the listeners. It's... I hope to speak to you again sometime and meet you. We we will we will see to it. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.